There is a, a scripture in the word of God that is absolutely transcending. It is amazing. It's so powerful and it's almost rarely preached in American pulpits and around the world today. And it may, for some people, be too hard to believe, but it's actually in your Bible. And I want to talk about that today. It's in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25, and it says this. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. Whoa. What? Let's read it again. There's one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Here it is. The generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will also be watered himself. Generosity. Everybody say generosity. Generosity is God's success plan for his people. And it actually, I feel, is preposterous. It doesn't make sense. His success plan does not make sense and does not add up to the rest of the world. The world does not talk like this. The idea that you can prosper by releasing what you have instead of hoarding it, instead of banking it, instead of keeping it, is absolutely revolutionary. It's just not done. Why are all the best things in God so difficult to receive? Because I believe those things that are of the highest order in God will always require the highest faith. Everything in life requires faith. And sometimes it's so hard to believe. You just got to step out into it. You just got to try. You just have to go for it because God says to do it. And then faith begins to hit your soul and your spirit. The title of my message this morning is Becoming a Generous Soul. Father, we love you. This is the time for generosity where Christmas is coming and Father God and we're gathering with friends and we're gathering with, with our family members and Lord God, many people are shopping like crazy and we know that that's not what really love is all about but we do know there's something in the generosity. There's something in our giving whether it be large or small and Lord God, I'm asking for a revelation to hit your people today where it comes to the place of generosity, where it comes to the place of giving, Lord God, like we've never had before. That it's never been about you trying to get something from us, but it's always been about you trying to get something to us. And if we'll do what you ask us to do, Lord God, there is an unbelievable supply from heaven that's already been set up for our good. That's already come, Lord God, until there's never going to be a day of lack the rest of our lives. You shall supply all our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we give you praise and glory for that now. In Jesus' name. And the church that believed it said amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. Can you do it? Isn't he worthy? Hallelujah. Everybody say this. Say the seed is all you need. Look at your neighbor and say the seed is all you need. So the seed, this is the, the, the seed principle. A seed is so small. An apple seed is so small. If I had it today, it'd be hard for you to be able to see it. But if we take that seed and we don't keep it in our pocket, or if we take that seed and we don't eat it because today we're hungry, which by the way, eating a seed would be pretty bitter. It may give you a calorie or two, but it's not going to last long. and It's going to be very bitter to taste. But if you take the seed, okay, and you release it into the ground, 
where it's supposed to go, that seed could potentially feed you and your family for a lifetime. For out of the seed would come an apple tree, and out of the apple tree would become apples. And every season of the, of the year that comes around for harvest, there would be apples for you and for your family. Not just one, but a multitude, basketfuls full of apples. So seed, being small, doesn't look like much. And if you eat it, if you consume it upon yourself, it's bitter. But if you release it from your hand, it becomes, there's a potentiality that happens. And all that's in that seed will meet your need. I want us to look at what Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, verse number 26. Mark 4, verse 26. And he said, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. There's that scattering, releasing what we have again. Uh, to me, if I wanted to eat my meal, I'd keep what I had, right? But Jesus, he's teaching us like the Word of God teaches us all through Scripture that if I take what I have and I, I scatter it, I'm, I'm actually entering the kingdom of God, okay? This, he scatters the seed on the ground. And watch this, this farmer, he should sleep by night and rise by day. In other words, once he plants the seed, church, he goes about his business, he don't have to worry about it anymore. He don't have to think about it anymore. He's already done what was required of him. By faith, he's released his seed, and the miracle potential is now in the seed. You're going to have to fold me a little bit more than that. Some of you are writing notes. Okay. Now watch this. And so now then, out of the seed, it, what, it, it will do what? It will germinate. And the Bible says, and the seed, though he sleep by night and he rise by day, the seed should sprout and grow, and he himself does not know how. I don't know how a seed works. I've never taken the class on it. Uh, uh, what would that be? What, bot, botanology, what's it called? Uh, whatever. See, I did not get much education, praise God. But I did not take the farmer class. Hallelujah. But I will tell you this, that I don't have to know how the seed works. I, and neither does the farmer. All he has to do is make sure the seed gets in the ground and the potential of the seed will come forth. Everything's been encoded in the seed. Everything, all the potential, all of, its, all of its harvest, everything for generations to come has been placed inside of that seed and it will produce other seeds as well for years to come. Is already there. So all I have to know is this. I go to bed at night, come up in the morning, go about my business. All I know is it will sprout and it will grow. Let's continue on. For the earth yields crops by itself. The kingdom of God. Once I, by faith, release what's, what I have to give, the kingdom of God kicks in. It will buy it by itself. First the blade, blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. In other words, there's a process. This is a pro Everybody say process. process. Nobody likes the process. I don't even like the process. I don't like the process. I don't like it. Why don't I like it? Because it means I've got to be patient. It's called seed time harvest. Seed time harvest. So once I put the seed in the ground, there's a time span that I've got to wait patient. I don't have to dig it up to see how good it's doing under there. I, by faith, realize it's doing what it's supposed to do. And then one day comes the harvest. So it's a process. And I wrote it down this, I wrote it down this way. In other words, you have the promise in the seed of the provision that you need. But you've got to go through the process of faith to get it. But when the grain ripens, the Bible says, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Just look at your neighbor and say, my harvest has come. Look at the other one. They didn't believe you. Say, your, har say, your harvest has come. 
Amen. And by the way, your harvest has come. My harvest has come. But now watch this. God can't give you even the harvest that has come. He can't give you what you're unprepared for or what you're unwilling to manage. I'm preaching real good right now. And that's why I'm doing hashtag Pastor Pounds the Pounds because God has shown me the future and what I, how I used to be able to. And Eric, by the way, thank you for the, the treadmill he got me. He said, Pastor, I'm going to help you out. Praise God. I got a brand new treadmill from Eric Anderson. It's in my garage. And one of these days I'm going to set it up. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm going to get right to it, man. Thank you, sir. <laughs> But I did that because, first of all, I want to be healthy. I want to live a long life. All, that, all that's all true. But I'm more, married to, I'm more married to what God wants. I'm more excited about the vision that God has for this church, for our nation, and for the world. And he's revealing to me that there's an, there's, there's an impending uh, harvest of souls that are coming into the kingdom like we've never seen before. There are more people on the planet right now there's over 7 billion people in the planet that have actually died in the past. We've got more people living than actually are dead. And God's wanting to have a massive net called his church to go out and win the souls. Somebody say amen. And I want to be a part of that. I want to run the race. And I can't run if my body's broken down. Come on. He's giving me promises. But if I'm unwilling to prepare for it, James, if I'm unwilling to manage what he's already given me, I can't see the harvest. Although it's there, it's ready to come. God's ready to give it. Because I got plenty of seed in the ground, so do you. Therefore, I have to be prepared for it. I have to manage it. Management and preparation have always been the plan of God for mankind in the earth. I'm going to say that again. Management and preparation have always been the plan of God for mankind in the earth. He, he takes and he makes man. He makes the woman, Eve, Adam and Eve, and he puts them in the garden to what? To till it, to keep it, to watch out after it. He's saying, I want you to manage what I give you. And then he says, you will be fruitful and multiply. I guarantee you they would have never been fruitful and multiplied unless we're doing what God said. Be, pre be prepared, number one, and learn to manage what I give you. Amen. We want the new car, but are you taking care of the old car? Amen. We want the new house, but are you taking care of the apartment that God has given you? I'm preaching really good now. Are we managing the garden that God has set us in? Whether it be my job, my church, whether it be, and by the way, we're all called to manage this church, not just pastor. We're all called. We all got, I got gifts and talents, but you got gifts that I don't have. But we all come together to manage what God has given us here. Are we managing our neighbors? Are we managing the job God gave? Are we managing the, the things that he's given us as well? Are we managing the children? Are we being prepared? Are you managing what God has already given you? Church, the same is true over your finances. God doesn't want you to struggle anymore when it comes to financial matters. He wants you to learn his system, understand how he operates. He wants you to have a revelation of who he is. Do you know who he is? The Bible says he comes in Genesis chapter 17 to Abraham and reveals himself as what? El Shaddai. 
He comes as El Shaddai and he says, walk upright before me. He gives him a command. In other words, he was saying, El Shaddai means the God of more than enough. He's saying, I want you to walk upright before me. And if you can manage that, if you, can, if you can do what I ask you to do, I will always be El Shaddai to you. I won't just give you enough. I'll give you more than enough. Your cup will run over. You'll have so much blessing until you got to give it away and give it away and give it away. But the more you give, the more that's coming back to you. Because any seed that gets planted, any seed that gets planted will produce a harvest. Whether that's a good seed or that's a bad seed. The second time that God mentioned himself as El Shaddai, that's not just a name, that's who he is. He mentioned it to Isaac, who's Abraham's son, revealing himself, saying, what I did with Abraham, I'll do with you. Your father will be, well, you, that is your example. And I am El Shaddai, I am more than enough. I don't want you just to pay your, uh, your bills at the end of the month. I don't want you to just pay your car note in the month. I've got bigger plans for you. And church, He's more than enough love than you'll ever need. He's more than enough protection than you ever need. He's more than enough hope than you'll ever need. He's more than enough health. He's more than enough wealth that you'll ever need in your life. The Bible has an incredible information about the area of finances that will lift you completely out of poverty. Of Poverty is not, not just having lack. It's barely, barely getting by is the working poor. He'll get you out of that and the realm of just getting by. The thing to remember is be careful what you settle for. Be careful what you allow your mind to go, well, this is just good enough. Most people settle, settle for less because they don't think they can ever have more. They've never been taught that they can actually have more. I've kind of uh, kid around a little bit about this, but I really believe it's true. Some of y'all need to get out of your neighborhoods. There's a whole world out there somewhere. You need to get, well, this is the way it is. No, you can actually get up out of your neighborhood and go somewhere. Uh, uh, let me just give you a little hint. Go, go north and stay along the shore. Praise God. Oh, my goodness. And go for a walk. It's free. Amen. You can walk in front of them and everything and just walk like you own it. Praise God. Walk like you're a neighbor. Hallelujah. Get your, get your dog, dress it up like a poodle. Praise God. I know it's a, it, might be a, it might be German Shepherd, like a poodle, put some pink stuff in it, and just walk like you own the place, praise God, and look around at what they have and start thinking to yourself, if they can have it, God, if you ever gave it to me, I'd give you all the glory. They're not giving you glory. I'd give you all the glory. I'd have people in my house just to tell them about who you are. Because I'd have a big enough house to be able to do that. Some of you want to open your house to people and have Bible studies and stuff like that. But you can't do it because it's too small. But God wants you to know you can have more. Because he's more than enough. It's not so that you can be a fat cat. It's not so that you can, you can uh, have a big, be uh, someone who's just a rich person. That's not what I'm talking about. To consume it upon your own loss. It's to give him the glory I want to be able to give him the glory. One thing I can say about myself, and maybe some of you can say the same thing, is I, I never was broke. I've never been broke in my life. Well, Pastor, I have. I know you have. That's all right. I just never have. Why? Because I realize if I can find work somewhere, I can do something with my hands, I'll be able to have money in my pocket. Ever since I was a little kid, I've been an entrepreneur. 
My dad was a truck driver, and uh, sometimes he he what he freight that he would deliver uh, was to a place called Chicklet. It was in Rockford. You remember Chicklets, the the candy? And sometimes the, their shipment would be busted or broken; they couldn't use it. So he'd just bring these boxes home, all, all this candy and gum and all this. And uh, I didn't eat it. You know what I did? I took it. I boxed it up. I put them in little baggies. Take them to school. Praise God! And I was the candy man. Hallelujah! As God is my witness, they called me the candy man. And I'd go in and I'd have all my stuff in my locker and I saw everything for a buck. How much? A buck? A buck. Just give me a buck. Give me a dollar. And everybody, here comes the dollars. You're going to hit the kids lined up, getting their candy and getting all sugared up and their gum and all that stuff. Amen. And I was selling that stuff and making money. It was free, praise God. And so I, I was doing that. Uh, when I was a little, little guy, I was, I was mowing lawns like this. That's the truth. Like this, dangerous. I'm talking about lawnmowers that didn't have safety guards and all that kind of stuff. Just, you know, rocks flying everywhere, whipping you around as you'd be jumping and stuff. I mean, <laughs> fun stuff we did. I, I won't save another story for another time. Anyways, um, and, and, uh, and, you know, and I, I'll mow your lawn. How much? I, I remember I charged three, four bucks, five bucks, whatever it was back in those days. And I'll do that. I, when it, and, and the snow came, I had myself a shovel, praise God. And I had myself a snow plowing business, praise God. And, I, and people that said they didn't want my, their, their drive shovel, I, I came up with the idea, what if I shook their bushes? Because I noticed their bushes were all sagged. I said, that's okay, you don't need me for that. How about them bushes? They're going to break. If you, if you, I'll go and shake them for you for like a quarter apiece. I said, okay, I went over and shook them. You know, they gave me a buck for four bushes. Praise God. Have money in my pocket. Back in the old days, they had pop bottles, and pop bottles were for deposit. You get like five cents a bottle on the pop bottles. And we go down to railroad tracks, and all these pop bottles, and pick them up, get your fingers in them like this. Come on, under your arm. You're walking down the store, turn them in. And that's lunch money right there. Hallelujah. Go to Shakey's and eat. Amen. Yes, yes. If there's a will, there's a way. Amen. And, um, and, you know, I would sell cars at 16, 17 years old. I, there's all kinds of things. I always had a job. I always had something I could do. But then, here's the thing. As I walk with God, my dreams got so much bigger. When I was a kid, hey, just going out to be with my, hanging with my friends or having a nice weekend or whatever was great. Having, when we first got married, we, we had no debt. That was a big thing to us. We could go here and there, little vacations and stuff like that. And, and it was great. Little, little world was fun. But as I got older, I started dreaming for God. First, it was just sitting in my dad's ministry and hearing the vision that God gave him. And it was big. And I wanted to be a part of that. But I didn't have the money. I always had money, but didn't have a lot in the bank. And I'm like, I wanted to be able to help out. And so my wife and I, we learned something. We learned to sow seed toward the dream and the vision that God put inside of us. And if we didn't have it right now, that's okay. Because if my seed doesn't answer my need right now, it's okay. But if I'll plant it in the ground and give it some time, in time, it will come back as a harvest in my life. Okay? So I'm in this process of losing weight. How many knows I can't lose 100 pounds in three weeks? It's not going to happen. How many knows I'd love to lose 100 pounds in three weeks? But you know what happened? Probably my mind wouldn't be renewed and I'd gain all that weight back. But I understand that if I give every single day toward it, just give a little seed toward it, the more I give toward it, I'm in time. I'll look back three months and go, look what the Lord has done in three months. Look what's happened now in six. Look what God has done in a year's time. So this is what we have to understand. There's seed, time, but there will always be a harvest. So my wife and I, we learned to, to, to sow seed. Um, and even during difficult times, I remember that when uh, Pastor Robin got pregnant with Nick,
Um, one of the things that we wanted during that time was that I wanted her to be able to be a stay-at-home mom. And so she had a tough pregnancy. Um, uh, there, actually, it wasn't too tough, but the doctor really wanted to make sure she was um, not on her feet a lot and so on. And her job meant that she'd have to be on her feet. So we decided, let's just go ahead and leave early. And I wanted her to be at home with, with my son, which meant what? That meant we cut a whole income out of our household, which, by the way, she made more money than I did. She thinks she's smarter than me, praise God. She actually probably is smarter than me, but I, I decided I'll work and I'll do what I got to do. And so that's what I did. And, um, but again, it's never enough. We got a baby, a newborn baby and, and bills start racking up and doctor's appointment without insurance and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's, it, it becomes a lot. And it was the least amount of money at that time we had coming in, um, that we'd ever had in our, in our, in our marriage. But one thing we never did, we never backed down from sowing the seed that we promised God. God, if this is what you want us to do, if this is the system of not being impoverished, then if we just keep doing this and keep moving forward, there's coming a point that there's going to be a harvest. It's got no choice. Jesus promised it. You promised it. It's who you are. It's your word. If I, if I, wanna, if I, wanted, my, if I wanted to have a, a child, we wanted to have a baby, what had to happen? We had to get a seed. A seed had to be planted so that she could be impregnated with a child. Everything in this world happens first with something small, a seed, and then you release it by faith. A generous soul is what we learned back in those days. A generous soul will make you rich. Look, look at what it says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. For I am the Lord, and I do not change. In other words, you cannot apply a scenario that makes this not uh, applicable to you. Therefore, it says, you are not consumed O sons of Jacob, yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances. What it's saying there is you rebelled against me. I gave you a way to live life successfully, but you decided to do it your way instead. And church, ain't no person in this room that has not tried to do it their way. We all, we all get that Burger King spirit on us. We want to have it our way. Come on, someone say amen. We want it our way. Those that don't remember the commercials of Burger King, it used to be have it your way, right? And so, um, and me included. And still I wrestle with that. I don't care if you're a preacher. I don't care who you are. You wrestle with yourself constantly. And so uh, of doing it the way you think it should be rather than the way God says it's supposed to be. So he said, he's saying, you, you went away from my, my ways. You rebelled. You decided to do it your way. And then um, um, it says here, Return to me, God said, and I will return to you as quick as you make a decision today. Say, I haven't been doing that, but I need to get back to following God. I got to get back to doing what God wants me to do. I mean, in that moment you return, he decides to return to you. But he says, you have to make the switch. I'm not, I didn't create you a robot. You're a free moral agent. You can do what you want the rest of your life. I love you but I can't necessarily bless you. I love you, but I can't bless you until you do what I ask you to do. But the moment you come and say, Lord, I'm coming back. I'm sorry. I've done it my way. I'm tired of this stuff. And now I want your way. He now returns to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, and this is where it gets cool. In what way shall we return? He says this. He asks a question. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? He said, in tithes and offerings. 
This reminds me of my mom asking a question that she already knows the answer to when I was a kid. Did you tear up your sister's toys? Yes. <laughs> you know, she already knew who the culprit was, but she'll ask the question. It wasn't like God didn't know the answer to it, but he's, he's trying to provide them an understanding of why Israel at that time was topsy-turvy and, and things weren't working the way they should have been. And um, he says, again, will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me, but you say what way have we robbed you? Tithes and offerings. He said, you're cursed with a curse. Notice he doesn't curse you. God's not in the business of cursing. He's in the business of blessing. But he said, because you're not doing what I ask you to do, the curse that's already in the earth because of sin is now on you. You have to operate within the curse, and I want you to operate within the blessing. I need you to return to me. If you return to me, the blessing gets turned on and the curse gets turned off. He's helping us. He's not trying to hurt us. He's not out to get us. He's not trying to curse us. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. God said, this is how we supply my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing. Everybody say blessing. That there will not be room enough to receive it. More than enough. It's the character of God. And I will rebuke the devourer. For your sake. That thing that every time you take one step forward, you get knocked back two steps. That's a devourer trying to devour your harvest. I'll rebuke him so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. When I was, and this is a powerful scripture, when I was uh, I came back to the Lord. I, I was saved when I was seven years old. My family got saved in 1975. I walked the altar myself the following weekend in 1975 in February. And then, and then I followed the Lord until I was about, about 12 years of age. And then I kind of, you know, I started backsliding. Until about 21 years of age, I was completely away from God. So I came back in 1989. And, and at that point, I was all in, 110 if you could be 120% in, I've been that far. I mean, I was all, all in. And uh, one of the things I wanted to do right off the bat is I knew I had been taught since I was seven years old about giving a tithe and offering. I talked to my wife. I said, we got to rearrange our lifestyle, and we got to start making sure we give our tithe. And at that time, my folks were uh, in Florida, and they were preparing to go into full-time ministry. And, um, and my dad was teaching every weekend at a church there. And so he would send me the tapes that, I, that he was, that he was um, preaching, and I was getting fed the Word of God. So I was being fed by my dad at that time. At the time, he didn't know he was coming back to start a church. That's a long story, but it was, it was right before. He didn't have a clue. He just knew they were calling him ministry. He thought it was going to be somewhere in Florida. He didn't think he was going to be a pastor. He thought it was going to be an itinerant preacher, just go and preach at different churches. And my mom, she's a prophet and to prophesy, all that stuff. And so that's what they were going to do. But um, I felt led. I said, you know, we're getting fed by him. We need to give our tithe to them because they're living by faith. And so I remember, never forget, it was $45 a week. I think it was $40 in tithe, $5 offering. Praise God. And I'd send that thing in. And what I didn't know 
until years later, was they were having a hard time paying their car payment. They tried to sell their car. They couldn't get rid of it because they were going to full-time ministry. And so they kind of were stuck with it. And I didn't know that that was paying their car payment they had every single month. Isn't God good? He knew exactly what they needed. And, of course, we're now giving our tithe. And, and so we were learning that at that time that God wants to prosper our lives. But we had to release what we had for that to take place. You know, we live in a generation today, when I talk about prosperity, uh, we, we live in a generation today of haters. I mean, it's everywhere, especially on the internet. By the way, if you want to have a little more, less frustration in your life, don't, 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 don't hang out online. Just go to a couple of your positive friends and your pastor, hallelujah, and then and shut that baby off, praise God. I'm not online, I recommend you not be online, and I don't read everything everybody says about me either, hallelujah. So if you say something nasty about me today, I ain't gonna read it anyways. How do you like that? You just wasted your time, praise God. But I will tell you this, haters are elevators, praise God, amen. They'll make you better in life too. But we live in, in where there's haters that hate when somebody does well. When somebody prospers, and I say this, don't hate. Ask them how they did it. Find out what they're doing, praise God. Now, I'm telling you how the Word of God says to do it. And let me, let me just say, these same haters hold those who are doing well, not holds them suspect as if they've done something wrong to get to success. The truth is, they're projecting they themselves are the ones that are crooks that always do something wrong, so they think everybody else is doing something wrong to get something too. It only reveals what's in their own heart, own hearts. That's why I don't give that much. I don't even t- do what God called you to do and be blessed, and then don't be embarrassed about the blessing that God gives you. Amen. If I bless my wife with a beautiful wedding ring and she's got one, if I bless her with a beautiful wedding ring, I don't want her hiding that thing and, oh, here comes some people. I got to turn them diamonds around because they might think I'm hoity-toity and I'm all that. She is all that. And not because she's saying that. I said that. I bought that for her. She's hot. She's great. I love her. Show that ring, baby. Be praising God. Jesus. Jesus. Just praise the Lord with it. Praise God. (laughs) I'm not saying be rude, but I am saying don't be embarrassed. Let me break down some of these words and then we're out of here. Of Malachi. And Malachi, for some, is the Italian prophet. They pronounce it Malachi. It's a Malachi. Why does God use strong words like rob? Will, you, will a man rob God? Oh, come on, God, why do you got to be so mean all the time? You're mean. No, truth will set you free, but sometimes truth is a double-edged sword. Will a man rob God? We have to look then, if, we, if we've seen the strong language, we have to look how God sees the tithe. The Bible says that everything belongs to God, church. Would you say yes to that? Everything belongs to God. Now, he's given it to the children of men, but he's the rightful owner. It belongs to him. So if he asks for you to give him something that is in your possession, such as the tithe, he's asking to give for you to give him a portion of what already belongs to him anyways. Even the air I'm breathing right now and your breathing belongs to him. Throughout the Bible, God has something that, uh, that has been termed, coined as divine portion. 
And divine portion is where God carves out a portion of, uh, on earth for himself. Okay? So he says, I, I, I own it all, but I give it to you to manage. You, you're the managers of it now. You, you're the ones who prepare for it. And he says, but now then I'll, I'll carve out something for myself. Okay? And you see that where Adam and Eve are placed in the garden, and they have the whole garden for themselves, right? Everything belonged to God, but God gives it to them, and now they're the managers. They're the stewards of it, right? They take care of it. He said, it's all yours. You can name the animals what you want, the plants what you want, do what you want, build the kind of house you like. I, I, I can't wait to see what, what, you, what you come up with. He's into it. But he says, but there's something for me, divine portion, that I take for myself. There's two trees. One's called the knowledge of the good and evil. You don't touch that. That belongs to me. And the tree of life, that belongs to me. So he's saying, everything else is yours, but this portion is mine, divine portion. The tabernacle is another example. He said, you can have the outer court, you can have the inner court, but behind that veil is the holy of holies. That's my place. That's where I dwell. That belongs to me. He says, Israel, I'm going to give you the power to take the next 10 cities. You're going to take 10, how many cities? 10 cities. I'm going to give you the power to do it. He said, but the first one, Jericho, that's mine. So God takes one-tenth of the cities. He said, you take it, you burn it down with fire. None of it goes in your pockets. It's a sacrifice or an offering unto me. One-tenth, right? God carved it out. So here, let me make the statement. When you give God 10% of the whole, the tithe means the tenth. When you give God 10% of all that you have, um, I'm, when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about your earnings, what you earn, you know, what you earn on the job, whatever it is, you give 10% to God, 10% of the whole, he blesses or empowers to prosper the remaining 90%. I want to work, I would rather work with 90% of my income that is blessed than 100% of my income that is under the curse. Now I can't, why am I always frustrated? Why can't I ever come, I'm always coming up short. But if I let God, if I give him what is his, the one out of 10, if I give what is his, he said, I'll bless the 90, and actually 90% will become your 100%. It'll be whole to you, and it will be blessed. 30, 60, and 100 fold will come to you. Church, money is a medium of exchange. It has no identity on its own. Well, uh, money is the root of all evil. No, that's not what the Bible says. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. I got, there are poor people that are going to be judged with the sin of money because they loved it, even though they never had it. It's not the money that's the issue because the money takes on the money takes on the identity of the owner. Did you catch that? So $20 in your pocket can become Taco Bell. It can become movies that just one movie, praise God. No popcorn, just one movie. It can become gas. Very, 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 very little gas in your car, but it can become gas. Or it could become what? It could become a Bible. It could become a meal for somebody else. It could become your offering to the house of God. In other words, it doesn't have a mind of its own. It takes on the identity of the person that's attached to it. Ecclesiastes 10, 19, I'm almost done. It says, money answers all things. That is a curious scripture. 
It really is, if you think God answers all things. But he's talking about in the earth realm. Money answers all things. Does that mean that money is the answer to all your problems? No, it does not. What it means is that money becomes a seed for what you need to harvest in your life. I look at it this way. I don't think I'm ever going to have enough money in my pocket to do the dream God called me to do. But the more I walk it out in faith, being obedient what God's asked me to give, sowing that seed, I'll have a harvest. It'll be more than enough. What does more than enough mean? I'll be blessed and I'll be able to bless the vision or the dream or the church or whatever God calls me to in, in, in turn. So it becomes a seed for harvest. That's why you should never give without expectation on that seed. Church, what harvest are you believing for with your offering? And just a little bit, by the way, I'm not taking a special offering today, just our regular offering, but when it comes, what are you believing? What is your expectation? I've had people, now, now we don't, in the memo, we don't have as many people giving with, by way of the, uh, the, the envelopes anymore, but they would write down on the envelope, what they were expecting God for. And these people were getting it. Now, you don't have to write it on the envelope. That's not the magic. There's no magic in it. It's the fact that they were saying, I'm going to connect this seed to what I'm believing God for. One woman put down a man's name to become her husband. In one year, she was married to him. I don't know if that was God or not, but all I know is it worked. Maybe that guy was like, I don't know what's happening. I just... <laughs> it's the truth. Every, they say, Pastor, she's got it every, every week. Look at this. She's got that man's name. I said, well, I don't know what to say. I mean, and she got them. And they're married, been married for 15 years to this day. Happy as can be. Praise God. A bunch of kids and everything else. Amen. The seed continues. <laughs> money, money takes on the identity of the one who holds it. Well, Pastor, I, I would hope, I would hope that you would take no money from a gambling man. If that money comes in from Potawatomi, what would you do? Thank you. And then I would cleanse it and sanctify it in the name of Jesus Christ. You think the money you got in your pocket right now has been, been, been done good deals with? Don't you look at me like that. You, and you take it every week too, don't you? Amen. Don't put it on me. If it comes to me, that was the Lord. Praise God. And the Lord should give you the lottery numbers. Hallelujah. And you win. Just remember, 10% goes to the house of God. And I'll say, thank you, Jesus. Let's pay this building off. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, it is tainted. It is filthy lucre, but it really all is. Anyways, let's not get religious about it. What's happening is because, because I'm a tither, that when money comes to me, it's already went through the sanctification process. Okay? So the next word that he uses is the word tithe, which means tenth. We went into that already, but why ten? Well, it represents redemption. Ten plagues. Anybody heard about ten plagues in Egypt? And then what happened? They were redeemed. They went through the water, over the dry ground, and they were free. By, by the way, everything they took out of Egypt, all that money, they kept. So it not only redeemed them from out of destruction, and into a new place with God, but also the Bible says it, 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 they were debt-free. All their debts were completely canceled. Redemption. Ten, how many spies? Ten spies. There were 12 altogether, 10 spies. Right, came back with a bad report. Two came back with a good report. God uses that to get them into the promised land. How about this? When you give the tithe, God redeems the rest, 
Amen. Tithe in Hebrew means given to God for destruction. Did you know that? In other words, you can't say, I gave my tithe to that church and, uh, you know, I'd like to have it back. Well, you can't get it back. First of all, it's already been used for ministry. It's already been done. But it's, tithe means I'm giving this to never get it. It's, it's to re- destruction. It's to never get it back. But in those days, tithe wasn't done with money. It was done with a form of it, which would have been trade. Trade would have been what? It would have been either what God required, which would have been a bull, a lamb, a goat, uh, or it could have been, uh, it could have been uh, har- your first harvest. Uh, it could have been wheat, whatever. Uh, whatever required, and then you burned it with fire. It was, it was completely destroyed. Well, that's because it's for God. It's not for any other human being. What does that mean? You work 40 hours, giving the company your skills and labor, and they give you money for it in exchange. The money comes from the world system. God has to sanctify that money with your tithe, which is the carved out portion. Again, 10 means redemption. So God, so God said, if you bring me the tithe, I'll break the power of lack. I'll redeem what you do have, and I'll break the power of lack, debt, and poverty in your life. And then he said, and I'm done, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Devourer means seed eater. I'll rebuke him. Rebuke means what? Saying, stop, no more. So if God puts his hand on him, no more. You, you, you shall not pass, you know, that whole thing. He says, no, he rebukes devourer. No more eating up the seed of the people of God. Amen. I'm saying that to you. I did not want to bring this message to you because it's such a it's Christmas season. I'm going, but it is a giving season. It's time for us to be generous. And God's trying to set us up for the new year. A brand new year is coming. We can't live like the last one. And church, listen to this pastor, and, and it's right from your word, the word of God. There is an abundant supply waiting for you and me on the other side. All he expects now is for us to be obedient, to walk by faith and not by sight. If some of you were giving and you got off track, get back on track. Find a way. Make it happen. Those who have not done it yet, start. You know, my wife and I, we didn't just, it's not like, you know, we magically did it. We had to figure it out. We got pen and paper, said, well, this is how we're going to do it. We can maybe knock out this, knock out that, but we're going to make sure God gets his portion. And that's how we started, right? And we've never stopped. We've never, never stopped. You know, I, I tell people all the time, start somewhere, because I really believe that it's like, that's a good thing to do. If you can't start with 10%, start somewhere. But to be honest with you, I didn't do that. I was only 20 years old, 21 years old when I started doing it. I didn't have a lot of money, but I made it happen. And I never, ever, ever, never, not one week has gone by ever in my life since 21 years of age that I have not given God his tithe. Never. Now, did you back up sometimes? Yeah, there was a couple times I had to back it up, but I made it up by the end of the month, always. I'm like, like a fanatic about that, especially being a pastor. If I can't live it, how can I expect you to live it? Obviously, so I'm, 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 I'm conscious of that. But even before that, before I was ever a preacher, before I even knew I was even gonna go into ministry, this is how we lived our lives. Oh my goodness, the miracles that God was doing during that time was especially in the beginning season because we were so in need at that time, man, God just bled. We got a car. Our children, our, especially our son, never without clothes, always had the best clothes. We had garbage bags full of church people bringing us clothes, and kid always had Nikes and the best stuff to wear, and just, just amazing what God would do in just in the right time. Um, I'm, just, I'm just 
this system is a system that God will, will respond to. Well, Pastor, I'm doing just fine without doing it. Okay, that's cool. Thank God you're a hard worker. Because when you work hard, you can get good results. But it may not be God's best results. So I'm just talking to the people that got vision, that want to see God do something in your life. This is next level stuff, and not everybody receives it all at once. But I believe this is the time to give you this, and God will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And I love that part. Amen.